Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the InterPlus's Q2 2021 results conference call. At this time, all lines are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we'll conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on Friday, August 6, 2021. I would now like to turn the conference over to Drew Muir. Please go ahead. Thanks, operator, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining the call. Before we get started, please take note of the advisories located at the end of today's news release. Our financials have been prepared in accordance with U.S. GAAP. All discussion of production volumes today are on a gross company working interest basis, and all financial figures are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise specified. I'm here this morning with Ian Dundas, our President and Chief Executive Officer, Wade Hutchings, Senior VP and Chief Operating Officer, Jody Jensen-Labrie, Senior VP and Chief Financial Officer, Shana Morihira, VP Finance, and Garth Dahl, VP Marketing. Following our discussion, we will open up the call for questions. With that, I will turn it over to Ian. Thank you, Drew. Good morning, all. Our second quarter results reflect the increased scale of our business following our acquisitions, along with strong operational momentum. We achieved record quarterly production of over 115,000 BOE per day in the second quarter, 26% higher than the prior quarter. We expect another meaningful sequential increase to production in the third quarter, which will be the first quarter that fully reflects our two Bakken acquisitions, which closed in the first and second quarters of the year. The second quarter was our most active period of the year in terms of drilling and completions activity and the execution of our capital plan remains on track. We moved the midpoint of our annual production guidance higher by 500 BOE per day, following strong execution and outperformance here to date. And we continue to operate within our capital spending guidance of 360 to $400 million. Our free cash flow profile is continuing to move higher, driven by the improved commodity prices since the start of the year, our increased production outlook, and our disciplined capital allocation. We now expect to generate over $450 million in free cash flow in 2021 based on forward strip commodity prices. For the remainder of this year, we will continue to prioritize directing the majority of this free cash flow for debt reduction. We have highlighted a $400 million debt reduction target, which aligns with our net debt to funds flow ratio target of one times or less in a $50 WTI oil price environment. At current commodity prices, we anticipate achieving this target by mid next year. With the step change in our cash flow generation, driven by our significantly higher production base, and the line of sight to hitting our long-term debt target, we elected to increase the dividend for the second time this year, consistent with our approach of sustainable dividend increases. Our board also approved a renewal of our normal course issuer bid. Under our framework, We expect to allocate approximately 90% of our free cash flow after dividends to debt reduction while we progress our deleveraging plan. With the remaining 10%, 
we will continue to evaluate incremental shareholder returns, including through the further potential dividend increases and share repurchases. Looking ahead, as we achieve our long-term debt target, we expect to be in a position to meaningfully increase our allocation of free cash flow to shareholder returns. I will leave it there and turn the call over to Wade for his comments. Thanks, Ian, and uh, good morning, everyone. Our operational performance this year continues to be solid. We completed and brought 23 wells on production in the Bakken in the second quarter, and our completions efficiency is averaging approximately 13 stages per day, up from nine and a half last year. Our drilling performance has also been strong. We set a company record in the second quarter, drilling a two-mile lateral section in 48 hours. On the back of this performance, we updated our 2021 well cost estimates in the Bakken to a U.S. $5.7 million compared to our previous estimate of U.S. $6.1 million. This represents a significant reduction in our cost structure over the last couple of years. We're down 10% compared to last year and 25% compared to 2019. As Ian noted, we achieved record quarterly production in the second quarter, which was driven by higher volumes in the Bakken following the closing of our acquisitions and our active completions program. Total Williston Basin production was over 72,000 BOE per day in the quarter, 53% higher than first quarter production. In the second quarter, we completed our first pad of wells that were acquired in connection with the Bruin acquisition. This was an eight well pad in Fort Berthold adjacent to our legacy acreage. The wells are tracking expectations with peak 30 day rates of approximately 1900 BOE per day on average per well based on the six of the eight wells that have had more than 30 days online. We anticipate the third quarter to be another record production quarter for Interplus. We expect to see strong Bakken production growth following another quarter of active completion operations and the full production impact of the assets we acquired from Hess, which closed in mid-Q2. I'll now pass the call to Jody. Thanks, Wade. Our second quarter adjusted funds flow was $184 million, with capital spending of $130 million and resulting in free cash flow of $54 million. Our realized Bakken oil price differential averaged $2.76 per barrel U.S. below WTI in the second quarter. Refining demand was strong, and there continues to be significant available pipeline capacity in the basin supporting pricing. Effective August 1st, we have increased our committed capacity to deliver crude oil from North Dakota to U.S. Gulf Coast via the Dakota Access Pipeline as part of its broader system expansion. The pipeline's capacity was recently expanded from 570,000 barrels per day to 750,000 barrels per day, based on comments from the pipeline operator. Enterplus now has approximately 10,000 barrels per day of firm transportation on DAPL. Based on our year-to-date realizations in the Bakken and improved outlook for differentials given DAPL's expansion, we've narrowed our annual differential guidance to $2.35 US per barrel below WTI, from $3.25 per barrel previously. Turning to the Marcellus, our realized Marcellus natural gas price differential was $0.89 U.S. per MCF below NYMEX in the quarter, significantly weaker than the prior quarter due to a combination of normal seasonality we see in the U.S. Northeast market and unplanned regional pipeline maintenance. 
As a result, we have widened our annual Marcellus natural gas price differential guidance to 65 cents US per MCF below NYMEX from 55 cents US per MCF previously. We expect differentials to remain relatively weak in the third quarter and then strengthen through the fourth quarter as regional demand increases heading into winter. We recorded a current tax expense of 4.2 million in the second quarter, primarily consisting of US federal tax as a result of higher income expected in the US in 2021. For the full year, we expect income tax expense of between five and seven million US. Turning to our free cash flow outlook, we expect free cash flow generation to materially increase in the second half of the year. On a full year basis, we estimate that we will generate over $450 million based on current commodity prices. With $117 million in free cash flow generated during the first half of 2021, that points to over $330 million in the second half of the year. Priority number one for this free cash flow is the balance sheet. As we work toward reducing our current net debt at June 30th by $400 million. Although we are prioritizing debt reduction, we remain in a strong financial position today, and this gives us the flexibility to enhance our return of capital to shareholders in the near term. We announced a 15% dividend increase today, and we also announced that we would allocate 10% of our free cash flow after dividends to incremental shareholder return opportunities while we are progressing on our deleveraging plans. This could come in the form of additional dividend increases and or share repurchases. And as Ian mentioned, our board has approved the renewal of our normal course issuer bid for up to 10% of our outstanding shares. Finally, as an update to the five-year plan that we introduced in April, we have updated 2021 to reflect the year-to-date commodity prices and forward strip for the balance of this year. The remaining years, 2022 to 2025, continue to be based on a flat $50 to $55 WTI oil price. With this update, our cumulative free cash flow estimate over the five-year period increased to $1.5 to $2 billion. I will leave it there and we'll turn the call over to the operator and open it up for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Your first question comes from Greg Party from RBC Capital Markets. Greg, please go ahead. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Yeah, thanks. Good morning. Um, maybe just the first question might be for Wade. And, and from everything you're saying in terms of the reduction in uh, D&C costs, it really sounds like it's just increased efficiency, like less time. But I'm wondering if you've made any changes to either the well construction or how you're completing these wells. Just, just curious there. 
Sure, happy to address that. Um, the wells that we drilled and completed in the first uh, and second quarters of this year really follow the, the design that we've had for the last several years. So there's no, no material change there. Um, when we look at the, the rate of change from last year, that uh, kind of dropped from 6.3 to, you know, where we're projecting this year to, to be at 5.7, you know, we're seeing about half of that on the drilling side and half on the completion side. Most of that is from just um, improved efficiencies on multiple stages, multiple aspects of drilling and completion. I would note that there is a, an important part of that on the drilling side that's come from uh, essentially a new contract with the existing super spec rig that, we, that we've been using for the last several years. And so we're benefiting from kind of the, the change in, in the market rate for that, you know, as of earlier in this year relative to several years ago when we signed that up. Um, so we're, we're certainly pleased. We've, we've actually saw in, improvements in our completion efficiency and drilling efficiency at a faster pace than we were even anticipating. Okay, terrific. Thanks for that. Um, and then maybe just shifting to, to the cash taxes, I'm, I'm wondering if there's a rule of thumb we can use. Maybe this is more about 2022, Jody, but I'm wondering, is there like a percent of pre-tax we should think about in terms of cash tax next year? Yeah, I think maybe if you just want a rule of thumb, you could think of, call it 1% of net operating income in the U.S. That would be, a, you know, in the ballpark. Okay. Okay, great. And last question for me is, is you know, kind of in, I mean, strategically, other things being equal, um, would you prefer to, you know, consolidate further in the Bakken, or is the company maybe approaching a size where you're thinking more about basin diversity? And I'm thinking oil and liquids basin diversity more so than the Marcellus. Morning, Greg. Um, well, with your setup, everything being equal, more Bakken, I think, clearly fits the bill. The, we've got an established footprint. Um, we see value and scale. We think the setup in the Bakken is, is really pretty encouraging. You know, costs are under control, differentials are are tightening, and so um, yeah, that would that would clear, clearly be the the focus areas today. Okay, terrific. Thanks very much. Thanks, Greg. Your next question comes from Patrick O'Rourke from ATB Capital. Patrick, please go ahead. Oh, hey, good morning, guys. Um, just wondering, now that you've had, you know, your hands on the steering wheel for, you know, call it a quarter here with the new asset, wondering if you can give us uh, your view on kind of where the Bakken-based decline is sitting. Obviously, it seems like you have some comfort with it in order to uh, uh, increase the lower end of, of the production guide for the year. And then wondering how, uh, you know, with where the well costs are now, appears that you're offsetting any sort of inflationary pressures um, with efficiencies, as you know, you mentioned with the last question here, where, where you would see the maintenance uh, capital level uh, at a corporate level right now? Yeah, morning, Patrick. Um, so to decline, yeah, consistent with what we had forecast, um, you know, corporately low 30s. Um, you know, the and I guess I guess that was part and parcel of bringing up the bottom in the guidance. Um, there's a lot of things that move there, though, obviously, relative to the timing of on streams and, and their downtime and, and everything else that hits you. Um, 
maintenance capital. You know, we don't have a firm number out there, but we've, we've pointed to, you know, think $500 million next year sets up three to 5% growth, you know, sort of start back off that growth and you're around 400. I think it's a good round number to, to think about. Um, and just maybe just an editorial comment um, to, you know, our, our ability to offset inflationary costs. I think we're actually doing a very good job on it. Um, you know, we, um, there, there is a bit of pressure in, in the market, you know, and you're hearing this, other producers talk about it as well, steel and, and the like. And so, you know, if you really got under the hood and you looked really closely at year-to-day well performance, we'd be a bit ahead of that number that we're putting out there. So we've, we have built in, um, we've anticipated uh, some, you know, modestly higher costs over the course of the year, and then that gets you to that 5.7. And, you know, the, the big picture here is we continue to do a really good job grinding away at efficiencies, and we're sort of eating into, and in fact, year-to-date more than eating into any inflationary pressures we're seeing. Okay, great. And then, Ian, you're always very thoughtful on your approach to the commodities. I'd like to hear your, your view on this. Um, you're using a, a bandwidth uh, of 50 to 55 right now for your kind of five-year plan. And just wondering, you know, what you would have to see in the market out there to shift that to something a little bit higher and incorporate that in your business planning and the way you're allocating capital. Yeah, I don't get called thoughtful very often, so thanks. It's a good way to start the day. Um, you know, I, I think there's a few things here. Um, in, in absolutely inherent in all of this is, you know, thinking our way through sustainability and thinking about volatility. So we're just not that smart. And there are a lot of things that are out there that can move those prices around a little bit. So we're using, you know, what we think are mid-cycle prices to guide our business. You know, and as we think about um, higher price environments, um, you know, we will take advantage of some of that through hedging strategies um, and, and the like. So, you know, what would, what would if we had a strong, strong view of a higher market, um, you know, would that influence activity or behaviors? I don't know that it would, honestly. Um, you know, some of the things we do, you know, we might have a very strong view on the market, and if the board market's not there to be able to mitigate some of that, then that would mute any activities we have. You know, as you think about things like, as we realize, like right now we're realizing higher prices, meaningfully higher prices than that. Um, but, you know, a forecast is not money in the bank. And so we are um, very cognizant of um, actual results versus forecasts. So, um, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think there's anything sort of fundamentally out there that we would do dramatically different. And in, and in fact, if like in these stronger heights, like you can easily create a stronger price in forecast than 50 to 55. I think it's it's very plausible. Um, I think it's actually potentially likely. Um, you know, with that probably comes higher inflationary assumptions that we're making in now. So, you know, we'll be balanced on this. Um, we think that our, our goal is to be able to make money in all cycles. And, you know, that means conservative balance sheet management, focusing on returns, using risk management tools to take price risk out of the equation as we're spending dollars. And, and so you know, that's what sort of guided us for years and is going to continue to guide us in the future. But yeah, I think the oil setup feels pretty good right now. Um, and if you told me we were averaging above 55, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against bet against that over the next couple of years. Just we'll see. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Chloe. Or thanks, Pat. Your next question comes from Cody Kwong from Stifle. Cody, please go ahead. Uh, hi guys, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I've got a question for probably uh, for Ian. When you guys were talking about your free cash flow priority being 90% debt, 
10 percent um, uh, return of capital until you get to your uh, your debt threshold that you'll want how does that change once you meet that target and if you can maybe expand upon that whether it's through just um, kind of in theory or or if you had some actual numbers that you had in your mind yeah more more Cody, um, thanks for that question. I think we will we'll stay away from numbers here. Um, you know, the, the, the concepts that we've laid out, uh, you know, 90% to debt. Um, once once we're through that level, um, which you know, could be within a year, possibly, you know, the the signal that we've sent is we see higher returns to shareholders. Um, you know, we haven't put a pin in what exactly that looks like. Um, in part because I think you want to look at the environment you're in at the moment and you know, how competing priorities exist. But you know, we, we, we do think we've got a, a really attractive plan that grows the company and puts us in a great position to deep lever and to continue to provide capital shareholders. Um, the, the, the tools that we've highlighted, um, you know, things that we think are important, a, a growing rock-solid sustainable-based dividend um, we, we think is a something that will be really attractive to shareholders, um, you know, which, which, which means um, it needs to sustain price volatility as well. So you know, we're on the path to continuing to move that forward. Uh, we also think share buyback plays a role. Um, and we think it particularly plays a role when you look at the valuations uh, of our company. We see um, significant intrinsic value um, that you know, we plan on unlocking and share buyback. It plays a nice role in that. Um, it also helps it helps support the sustainability of the base dividend and keeps your capital structure strong. So I guess those are the principles that are guiding us. You know, there's there's others out there who have with variable dividends and specials and those things, and yeah, we'll we'll remain attuned to the market and um, those sorts of things. But you know, right now, think sustainable, growing base dividend. I think share buybacks, particularly when we see this valuation that we're seeing right now, and then think you know once we've hit our debt targets. More, more coming for shareholders, and then we'll work to provide more visibility as, as we get closer to that as to what more looks like. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star followed by one. Okay, there are no further questions at this time. I'll turn it back to Ian for closing remarks. Well, thank you, everybody. I appreciate you dialing in today. Um, enjoy the last little bit of summer. Um, for those Canadians who are watching the gold medal soccer uh, match with Sweden, I won't say anything about it. <laughs> anyway, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.